The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. We've been asked many times about our own personal story. And I would say it's not just about our open relationship, it's also about our lives as open nesters, but our love is a big focus of that. And so our story about opening our relationship was part of an interview that we decided would share with you. And the full full interview is actually on our website under resources. So Amir, you want to tell them about the interview with Kitty Shambliss? Yeah, we took part of that interview with Kitty Shambliss she has an incredible, incredible podcast called Loving Without Boundaries. I recommend to anybody that is interested in ethical non-monogamy to listen to her podcast. So we took pieces of that interview just to get you to know Tessa and I a little bit better. And this is the month of Love and Sex Month. And love. so we hope that the loving yeah. openness of our relationship has some impact for you in this month of February. Yeah, so here we go. This is our interview. And remember, this is before we launched the first episode of The Open Nesters. This is back or September, October of 2020. In the midst of the pandemic, we were interviewed by Kitty. And today, oh wow, a year and a half after that, with so many episodes on our website, uh, here we are. So and stay tuned to the end because we... We, we're going to update kind of the idea of some of the concepts that we are now calling open monogamy. So stay tuned to the end. I'd love to maybe go back in time a little bit and learn a little bit more about your journey. Is that okay? Sure. Sure. So one question I love to ask is, you know, clearly you're, you're a hip awesome, interesting couple who's, who's been through a lot together, but I'd love to hear more about when early on did you maybe realize that you weren't going to maybe be following a traditional, like I just described with the picket fence and the 2.5 kids and monogamy till death do us part? Was there a moment either before you met or maybe during your relationship when you had what I call the light bulb moment? I, th- I think it's uh, it's 2.72 kids to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, you know what the the journey was very organic for us because my girlfriends who I had since I'm 18 we were always very sexy dancers and we loved to be out there we would start mm-hmm. the dancing anywhere we went and one of my dear friends moved to South Florida and started going to a nude beach which I actually told her about because I'd grown up in South Florida and didn't mm. my parents told me it became a nude beach in their horror. And Mm -hmm. I so she went with her husband. They started going to sexy parties, and she started whispering in my ear as I was getting my body back from my babe, my my children, and getting they were getting to be young teenagers. You know that she's doing going to these parties and finding how sensual and sexually alive she feels. Mm -hmm. And I was just like all open eared and excited about it, not because I knew about my nature for anything more than what I had. I was always a serial non monogamist. And we, you know, we were so consumed with our kids and her sex life was, was good. And before the kids, great. And then when they got older, busier, harder. And when we went to South Florida, we got to be surprised by her because she said, you want us to take you to one of the clubs? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of clubs? And she's like, we were just dance and there's some sexy stuff happening in the back. 
And I, we walked in completely naked without knowing. I mean, dressed at the time or for mm-hmm. most of the, actually we stayed dressed because we weren't, we, we've never become fully into the orgy scene of not knowing people. Mm-hmm. But when we went in and we explored these women dancing with me and, and me taking off some of my clothes and feeling like I had the freedom to do that, it was such a turn on for us that we became like high school kids again. Right. Eventually. Um, and I remember we went to uh, a conference on the mm-hmm. other side of Florida and we drove across the state and we stopped every in the orange grove, every orange grove, wherever we can. And we just had <laughs> we were mad, back to humping. Mad sex. Oh, it was great. Uh, and we got so stimulated sexually because, mm-hmm. of, you know, here it is, uh, you know, my beautiful wife standing in the middle of a stage and women coming behind her and, touching her breast and caressing her. And this whole act of sensuality was very, very arousing to mm-hmm. see. And we were kind of like, wow, <laughs> what, what have we discovered? How many people are really know about this? Is this only us? Or we, we weren't sure. And this is, I'm taking you back about uh, at least 15 years ago. Okay. So mm-hmm. just for you to have a time frame. So almost yeah. half of our marriage, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it was just this time of awakening and blossoming and discovery. Yeah. And the discovery. And then, you know, we kind of like start, you know, in the swinging world, trying mm-hmm. to understand and trying to get what it is. And um, we liked it, but we realized very quickly that we're really lacking the emotional, deep connection. Uh, mm-hmm. We couldn't just show up, take off our clothes, fuck and leave. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit more than that. We needed more than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we start coming back to ourselves and saying to us, each other. Uh, yeah. yeah. I would say it was one step forward, two steps back, because there's no way that that has an exact trajectory, sure. how that works. Everyone feels differently about what, how, what happens. And, and quite honestly, I, we never really loved, I mean, I think I took one for the team twice. I was like, I'm not really doing that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I was a lot more particular, and I think a lot of women are. So I was trying to be in touch with myself. We had our arguments about it, and yet we were able to then overcome it and say, where are we, what do we, we want to, what did I want out of it? Mostly I wanted to feel sexy. Mm. We would go to parties and continue to before COVID to to let me feel that sensual, sexy, dancing aliveness in myself and that freedom. And mm. if we would meet a couple, because that is our preference, and we had to discuss it through time, because eventually I think Amir started feeling like when he did have, we did have a connection with couples, we, and we ended up dating a number of couples over mm. the years, mm-hmm. it became a lot more profoundly exciting and exciting to and look meaningful. forward to and meaningful for us. Right. Mm. I mean, you know, our first, uh, we have met an incredible couple uh, early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say within a couple of years of us right, discovering the, this. The first three years we were soft. We were like not really doing much. And then we met this couple. We hadn't even had like any kind of full sex until we, and then we met them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we, we, we literally fell in love with, with this couple and they fell in love with us. We were, we were experiencing something that today we would have defined as total polyamorous relationship. We didn't know what polyamorous relationship is, mm. but we were, we were me and her and uh, Tessa with him. Uh, we were every, every two and two. Every every possible combination were was perfect. Was just perfect. Wow. Perfect. I mean, he was writing poetry to Tessa, and she was responding. They were up late at night talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had mad sex every possible minute that we had during the day, and it was so enriching to us. And then uh, it reached to a point where. 
Um, we had a breakdown. We, have a, we had a breakdown. <laughs> we had a severe mm. breakdown. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for several months, we were in this euphoric, uh, ultimate, ultimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to go away to Hido with them. Oh, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Tessa comes to me and she says, I don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. No, I knew I was falling in love and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I was already feeling jealous of what I was going to see because I wanted him. So I knew that there was a problem here and that I needed to kind of retract back into our relationship. I, I just had that sense that this is not, this is some, something's happening that I don't know how to handle yet. If, if we mm-hmm. knew then what we know today, I would have said, oh, I'm so happy that you're falling in love with him. This is exactly what we really need. Mm-hmm. It's multi-lovers, the poly. But we did not know, and we had a breakdown. And mm-hmm. uh, his wife terminated the relationship immediately. She was oh, wow. not accepting that. And we were down. I was down. I was upset because I was able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. our relationship with her rather than with us. I mean, I, when I was with her, I was totally in love. But mm-hmm. when I was out, I was out. I was, I was out of the Garden of Eden, and mm-hmm. now I'm somewhere else. And then I'm going back to the garden, and then I'm out. I was able to do that, mm-hmm. and, and I can still do that. Pretty mm-hmm. But at that time... I'm not as good at that. What? <laughs> I'm not as good at that. Yeah. yeah. Not that there's uh-huh. anything wrong with that, right? We're all human. <laughs> right. So, you know, we didn't know then what we know today. Mm-hmm. And if we did, that relationship probably would have lasted much longer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences, and I'm glad that we did experience it. Um, Sad that it's ended. That's incredible. But, but That's that was, incredible. But that was a definitely a, a turning point in mm-hmm. our relationship, in our seeking poly relationship. And then, you know, what happened next is when he contacted us. Well, uh, seven Tessa. months later, I mean, they always had a don't ask, don't tell, knew each other since they're 17. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, look, I don't want to, you know, involve my wife, but I really want to see you because I really miss you. And we can try to keep it less frequent. And we did for years. And this is now going on 10 years. Oh, wow. For years, we just mm-hmm. saw each other a few times a year. And then after four or five years, started being able to go away together over a few overnights and see each other maybe once a month. So it's still not consuming as much, but there were moments that became consuming. And we had to deal with jealousy and deal with how I felt because Amir is a very, very generous soul about my happiness. And that's where I'm, I'm the luckiest woman and feel blessed. That, mm. so, so that I opened that path and allowed for him to obviously date and take, we always take the risk of whether each other, when you, whenever you I'll open a door, there's always mm-hmm. a risk, but I'd rather have an open door and live that way. Yeah. And so, you know, we go through those, that journey, that journey is not a linear journey. And it's also not a trying to hang on to everything journey. So we continue to go in and out of these waves. And, and even with my love and lover, and I've now become more open to women, and I've had, we've had other four-way relationships that we've felt connected to the couples in, a, in very meaningful ways as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one was intense because it was our first, and it took us by storm. Wow. And I don't think yet at that point you ever said you were really in love with her. But we, as a foursome, we kind of fell in love as a foursome. We were right. courting mm-hmm. each other. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I felt it too deeply to know how to deal with it. So yeah. it was just an honest journey that I would definitely, I know you have in your podcast notes here, what would we suggest? And the idea that, that when you're dealing with love mm-hmm. and there's no perfect journey, the communication becomes really essential. And the idea that you come back to what's important to you and whether you do want to have 
more of a hierarchical relationship and we're primary partners, mm-hmm. what do you most important and how do you do that is, is something to, to kind of discuss before if mm-hmm. we fall in love or how's that going to feel and what are we, ha- I mean, and still the, I think, I think, I don't know how you feel and your guests have, I'm sure expressed, but you still don't know. You can make all these discussions and then they have to be yeah. adapted. And, yeah. and, and we, we may have not yet experienced what we need to experience in order to feel uh, total in love with others. I know that Tessa love her lover and uh, I wish she can see him more often than she does. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if she would have gone around I mean, many times. She said, I wish I could go with him for a month away. And mm-hmm. I says, you got my blessing. Do it. Mm-hmm. But he, he can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if she could, have, if, if she could and he could, I would have definitely put my blessing on it. And I would probably toss and toss every night in bed thinking what they're doing, how they're doing, <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. how it's going. And it is, you know, but, but I, would li- I would have loved to give her that freedom. Mm. So we don't know really what's ahead of us, but we are looking so much forward to to be able to explore it continuously. And wow. I, love, I love seeing Amir's different explorations in the kink world, which wasn't as interesting to me, become something that he really was turned on by. And so I've encouraged the relationships that became real friendships and became a lot of great sex and great explorations and you know, wanted him to also go away to some of the conferences, the kink conferences. And so we do encourage that in each other. And it's not always easy. And I've had my jealous moments as well that I can't fulfill some things. But mm-hmm. the idea is that we come back to the connection that we know is the most important, that we see our lives growing old and we see ourselves growing old together by watching each other become happier and not becoming more confined. Mm, that is so beautiful. Absolutely. I, 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 would, I would add to that is that you know, my exploration of uh, the kink side came totally by mistake. We met the couple that came to visit us and stayed the weekend with us. And Tessa was able to go off with him somewhere else uh, to do, I think we went on a photo shoot. a different shoot. couple, and he took me on a great photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Oh, that's fascinating. An outdoor, uh, sexy outdoor photo shoot. Outdoor photo shoot, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I stayed with her for the first time. I'm with a woman by myself without my wife being around. Mm -hmm. And she walked away for a few minutes and she came back all dressed up in a schoolgirl outfit. (laughs) That's awesome. And and like my eyes popped and wow, is anybody watching me? I mean, this is, I mean, where am I? Mm-hmm. I'm dreaming what's going on and <laughs> beauty is coming uh, to life here mm-hmm. and she leaned against the wall and she pulled up her dress up and she says please spank me and tie me up and, tie me up. Wow. and, and mm-hmm. whoa and all of a sudden I realized that I had it all in, in me for many many years for, for, I guess for all my life I didn't even know but she brought it out and then uh, I was able to explore more and more into that world as I um, as I matured. Mm-hmm. That's I love, fascinating. I love, one of your guests, and I know Jaya speaks of the erotic blueprint, and one of your guests I just recently heard on your podcast also, I'm forgetting her name. And more. And more. She was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Loved her podcast. Mm-hmm. Good. And I love the uh, review, the erotic blueprints again for me that I remembered. Oh, yeah. A number of years ago. And, and I think it's, mine's changed a little. I'm actually become even more energetic and sensual. But yet I've always had a little kinky side with him. Like he would tell me, it's still, we, we can still reenact that sometimes when he tells me, 
like when we were doing business together years ago, to go into the conference room and wait for him naked so that I could be desired when he comes in. And so I like the idea of being told on a very you know, sensual, submissive level mm-hmm. to, just, to just wait for him. And that's still a big part of our erotic theme together, which is what keeps us, you know, keep, what keeps it exciting for us. When he asks me to dress up sexy and when he went, I know that, that, he's, that once in a while that happens. It, it makes all the difference for me in, my, in, our, mm-hmm. in our eroticism. For, for, mm-hmm. what, for whatever it is that we do, I, I want to mention that many, um, many have, are missing one of the best part of the swinging world, the poly world. It is that, that slow, progressive foreplay. Mm-hmm. Is, and and I, I'm so sorry that, you know, people miss it, but we learn very early on that we like all that stuff. We had situation where people come into our room with us and say, just take off their clothes. Okay, let's, let's fuck. And, you know, we can't do it. We just need that buildup. We need that anticipation. We need that seduction. Mm-hmm. So uh, we realize that we really need that as part of our uh, erotic theme, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I love everything that you're sharing. Like the, you're so authentic and vulnerable in talking about your journey and all the twists and turns that you've experienced and just how exciting and the, the it's almost like you're rolling a red carpet out for each other in, in like an exploratory way, like to live your best lives and give each other the freedom to do that. So I really appreciate everything that you're sharing. I guess one question I have that might be kind of fun is if you could maybe give some advice to like, if there was one thing that you wish you'd known before you went down this path, maybe you were talking to a younger version of yourself. What might be some advice you'd give your, your younger self? You want to go first? I, it depends on when, if my younger self was before I got married, I would want to know more about my own sensuality and sexuality before I actually committed to a partner. Mm. I didn't know that they, that they have a, a romantic side that really brings that out in me so that they, that, it, that, that I would just know myself more for that. And also I think I would just, I went, I wish more um, open cause I didn't think I was bisexual and I'm not, I'm more bisexual now, but I feel like I wanted to be, I wish I knew more about exploring how it is to be with a woman and, so just give myself space to try things so that I knew what I could tell people I need. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the, the word bisensual. That's, mm-hmm. I love that. Go ahead, Amir. For me, I would say that the advice I can give the younger version, know where you are. Know who is the, your primary person. Because if you know that, and you know that this is the solid foundation in their relationship that you want and desire and you are secure in that then then that's the first step once you know that you can allow yourself and your spouse to explore without fear without mm-hmm. well with jealousy but with controlled jealousy so uh, know where you are and then if your spouse does fall in love with somebody encourage it rather than discourage it or it helps bring out your own, and it's like yeah, the jealousy long, brings up yeah. our insecurities. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a different subject, right. but I'm saying what mm-hmm. advice I can give, mm-hmm. the advice I would give, know where you are, mm-hmm. and, and uh, let the spouse explore whatever she wants to explore, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And it's okay that's, to feel insecure. I mean, yeah. I, I mean you Absolutely. know, we can know where we are, but I do believe that we, we're just human, 
And the emotional component of that messiness is just what it is, mm-hmm. not of what mindfulness is anyway. Mm-hmm. Coming back to being okay with how you feel about something, we can't turn a switch and just say, I don't feel that anymore. We can just mm-hmm. say, okay, this is how I feel and this is what I need to communicate. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that we have done, which I would say is not something we have to redo because we are good at it and why I think one of the, I think, reasons we really do well together is our forgiveness for one another. Mm, that's beautiful. When, when, when shit happens and it's going to, we need to learn to forgive each other. So, you know, we make mistakes along the way and how do we, well, how quickly do we forgive? If I could learn something again, I wish I could just learn that I, from a younger age, don't have to ever hold any anger for a long time. I could have it and I can mm-hmm. let it diffuse by knowing that I can forgive because I love this person more than I have fear or and more than I have I, anger. I could say that 98% of the time, we never went to sleep angry at each other. Mm-hmm. Try to make up whatever those differences we had during the day mm-hmm. or we end up going to bed. Mm-hmm. That's always great advice. That's beautiful. How about what would you say is, are some skills that you've had to learn along the way that is also factored into the, the success that you're kind of enjoying the way you're describing it now? Well, I definitely know my mindfulness skills have helped me just meditate and get centered. And, mm-hmm. so, and to remember that, uh, that the love is, is prevalent no matter how I'm feeling at the time in this relationship, that I don't want to come from a place of anger. And when I am feeling insecure and upset and and my needs become too big, which they do sometimes, then I, I some, and that's, that's where our, where our breakdowns happen is when, but I, you know, the, that I continue to learn that is that how to use that skill to bring myself back into accepting my emotions and letting them move, like moving them in mm-hmm. whatever way I can talking, obviously talking to having good friends you can talk to. Obviously journaling is always helpful. Those are the skills that have helped me and in our journey. Mm-hmm. And, and then also just reaching for not having to say no, what I think I don't know that I like. Being open-minded about what I, the skill of just, just trying something. Let me see. It's a curiosity. So mm. that's, that's a skill that we acquire with practice. Let yeah. me see. So we'll, that we've tried things. It's not that I haven't. We've stepped into trying different things for you with each other. And that's, mm-hmm. skill. that's beautiful. I would say that the skill that I've acquired is to be patient and to see the process. Uh, Tessa is always trying to let me see and feel the journey. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so important. And, and I would have to admit here to her and to whoever's listening that I have not, that I poo-pooed it many times. Yeah, you know, what's, uh, what's the journey? I mean, I'm a result-oriented, you know, how mm-hmm. I get there, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But the journey is so important, and I learn how to be patient and see it through. So that's the skill I think that I've acquired uh, throughout the years to um, be able to imp- apply it very quickly to others. Also, I have learned to be less impulsive when we meet new people, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that impulsiveness of mine usually have, have really have have trying to get things done and trying to get to, to, to accelerate the process have been, you know, it's also tied into a patient. Uh, always, you know, at times really uh, backfired me in, in our relationship and many times discussion, why it didn't work today is because, you know, I was impulsive and impatient. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to be not impulsive and more patient. Mm-hmm. I and think that's and, a great and, advice. And, Go ahead. Enjoying the journey with the hunt. I mean, 
even though he's more of a hunter than me by by nature and I think by biology, so mm-hmm. um, the, of the man. So I do feel like I, I've watched him go from hating how people don't communicate well in the lifestyle sometimes when you were trying to meet somebody new to being like, oh, okay, let me be a little bit more like patient along with the process because I can't expect someone to be where I am in certain ways. And that's always a skill that we, I think, need to learn in our lives. Is, or to want it as much as you want. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, great advice and hard-earned advice as well. Before we go into the summary of this wonderful episode, here is a teaser from next week's episode with Angela Thorsten of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough. My husband and I are wired totally opposite when it comes to our sexuality. I'm kinky energetic and he's sexual. And because I was raised like many women that it's all about the man's pleasure. And there was this one model for sexuality, which is not wrong or bad because we actually have that sexual blueprint, which is the basis of our culture, but there is so much more to sex than genitals and penetration. So I love the kitties uh, podcast is called loving without boundaries because I really do believe that loving more kind of expands our spectrum of behavior in our life. Remember we recently read that from Dr. Uh, Richard Schwartz, who does internal family systems. He was a developer and he talked about that, that idea that it's a state of mind. You like that kind of a state of mind and being. I, I like I like the changing of state of mind and expanding the spectrum of behaviors because this is exactly what we have done over, you know, I don't know, for the last decade or so and more since we are in an ethical non-monogamy. But the key is the whole thing is here uh, for me. I had to listen to it again and I'm listening in to the interview and it's a year and a half gone by and we have evolved a lot since then not only over the over the past decade but evolved since that interview and i think it's really um, as a result of expanding our community and expecting uh, expanding the spectrum of behavior exactly the way you said it Which comes from learning, you know, I mean, so we're learning by doing this podcast, which has been such a cool journey for us. And then one of the people that we just interviewed that's coming up in March was the supervisor of my master's program in sexuality, PhD, Dr. Tammy Nelson, who just released a book called Open Monogamy. And it kind of takes the emphasis off of just an open relationship and says it's a commitment to one another. Monogamy kind of based on that idea that we are each other's anchor. And I think as we learned and trusted that more, our primary uh, relationship, like the idea of monogamy, is growing even stronger as our base of expansion, right? Right. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to say and to add that we have learned a lot from the people we have interviewed, from the couples, uh, whether they're in monogamy or non-monogamy, it didn't really matter, from all the consultants, the experts about ageism, we learned. We learned from everybody. And here we are. We evolved because of that. So anybody that have listened to our podcast, hopefully also have learned something and evolved as well. And we've been getting better at, I'd say, being more courageous with new areas. Because when you when you bring new people in, it kind of 
opens up the nest and it opened our lives, our hearts, our minds. And we always said that when you open more, you could open up, it doesn't have to be sexually, but it could be just the idea of opening and open monogamy being emotional, intellectual. Right. Right. And, and, and that idea that when we open to these new pathways of growth, people come into our lives for, uh, they li- I like to say a reason, a season, or a lifetime. But we, whether we just are playing, whether it's just a t- coming in for a minute, whether we're collaborating or creating or connecting hearts and growing more. So we've even had examples of that recently. I mean, I never had been on a dating app, and I, and you, we've both gotten on this field right. and seen that field as this you know app that we started realizing we can meet new couples and grow our community, but also not even at all just romantically like have some kind of connection i connected so deeply with this with jonathan pillett who's on our one of our episodes and he's now come into our home twice for a few days to talk about collaboration and expanded us in that become part of our tribe so that's happened based on this open nesting which is so inspiring to me for us it's been the interviews that we have done we got to know ourselves better I think that beside the summaries that we do every episode, we also talk about it there afterwards, ourselves in bed. What do you think? In the morning, you know, when, I, when he said that, what do you think he meant? And we really got deeper into a conversation, and we got to know ourselves, and therefore we were able to expand our love to each other and understand and have a better communication. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's not every moment because no, you know you go not. you go to of school and not. you don't appreciate your education every moment, but the fact that you reflect more often and create a practice around kind of experiencing more love than ever yeah. before, and I would say that we have that deep gratitude of love for each other. Exactly, and this episode is a great episode to end the month of February, which is Love Month, Love and Sex Month. Uh, hopefully, you have enriched your knowledge expanded your spectrum of behaviors and now can move into the spring that is coming up uh, just around the corner. Yeah, so we do all look forward to that. And if you have any stories or people that you think have some some exceptional, unique story of their own as open nesters or they're dreaming or if you're dreaming of open nesting, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear more about the things you want to hear more of. Go to our website, theopennesters.com, that double N in the middle, S at the end, and leave us a note. Tell us what you think. And Tessa, we have a Facebook page. Yeah, you could find us on all social media and in our closed discussion, our Facebook group. We'd love to have you join us there. So please do share this episode and other episodes and please comment and get involved in our community. Actually, we have a promotion for that. Our third episode in February was with Lori Handlers and Michael Gibson. And Lori, years ago, wrote a book called Sex and Happiness. Sex and Happiness Over 60 is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. But we're giving out some of her copies of Sex and Happiness. The, it's a great, great read. You'll all love it. So please, when you comment on our website or in our closed Facebook group, you will be entered for a raffle for one of Lori's books. And we have five of them to give away. And Tessa, don't forget to tell them about being number 18 on the uh, Good Pods. Good, Good Pods, Pods ranked yes. us number 18 in relationship podcast. So this is all thanks to you, and we really want to thank our listeners because relationships are the key to a good life, and the fact that you're listening and helping us make this relationship yes. podcast so strong is just encouraging to us all. So again, hope you enjoy this episode, learning more about Tessa and Amir, 
And until next time, this is Amir. This is Tessa. And we will see you on the radio. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.